You can see Toby has spiced up a few things there, hey? Go, Toby. Family, it's good to be together. First Sunday of the year. It's going to be a great year, amen. We believe, we trust. It's going to be a great year. No maganjan. God has given us a word that is going to be a year of uh, receiving the inheritance He's given us. It's going to be a year of resting in God. It's going to be a year of rising up to the occasion. We're going to see great things happen this year because eight is a number of new beginnings. So we trust in God that we're going to see great things. Amen. I'm really stoked for this year. It's not just to make you happy. It's because I've got faith. It's going to be a great year. Awesome. I've got one uh, quick announcement because it is important. I'm the one doing it this morning. As a church, we believe God is calling us to grow and impact the city and this nation for Him. As we are focusing on developing leaders within the life of the church, we have two exciting interventions to grow leaders starting on the 8th of Feb. The first one is called Leadership 115. Leadership 115 is aimed at identifying and developing leaders within our congregation so that you can more effectively love God, love people, and love our city. If you are eager to grow as a leader, sign up for Leadership 115. As I said, classes starts on, the, on February the 8th. It's going to be one evening a month for, for lecturing, and there's also books that you'll be going through. We also have, you, to do this, you should have done uh, Foundations class and Victory Weekend and be in a Connect group. If you're not yet in a Connect group, you have a few weeks to find a Connect group. Amen. Awesome. Leadership 215 is a curriculum created by every nation globally, and we're going to have some of our apostolic leaders teaching at that one. 215 is for people who have done Leadership 115 before, but it's also for those who want to further their studies in terms of theology. So there's going to be systematic theology, church history, and we also are going to have courses on supernatural lifestyle. And this one you should have done either uh, HPSM in the past, His People Service Academy, or if you have done His People Bible School or Every Nation Leadership Institute, you are welcome to do Leadership 215. So 215, it's for people who already have done some studies before, but Leadership 115 is for everyone. Can I hear amen? amen? So if you want to grow as a leader, sign up at the back in our computers. We're looking forward to, to growing our capacity to reaching uh, the city. Today, we'll be studying the book of Joel. So if we ever questioned or wondered whether we can teach one whole book of the Bible in one sermon in one Sunday, today we're going to prove that point. Join me as we read in the book of Joel. So open with me there. And while you go there, I just want to mention key themes that are coming from the Scripture the first one is preventing destruction through fasting and prayer. Repentance, revival, and restoration in these three chapters of the book. We know that Joel is one of the minor prophets. Not that he was small in any way, but it's just that of the 12 prof minor prophets, they, it is those that books are shorter than the major prophets like Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. Also, his name means Yahweh is God, the Lord is God. So we do well to listen to Joel, because his name means Yahweh is God. Also, one of the themes I like from this portion of Scripture is there's emphasis on blowing the trumpet, preparing for the day of the Lord. Blowing the trumpet through fasting and prayer, preparing for the day of the Lord. Now, when we speak about the day of the Lord, it speaks about a time when 
God brings destruction, a time when God is saying, if you're not going to repent, if you are not going to change, destruction is coming your way. So we blow the trumpet through prayer and fasting. I hope you're looking forward to the fasting like I am. Over the Christmas holidays, we gained up a few calories, so it's time to give them away. So it's not only for spiritual reasons that we fast, but there's also physiological benefits. Amen. As Tiam was encouraging us to be healthy. I want to share a testimony with you before we read scripture this morning. You know, since we did the series called Bless the City, we're looking for opportunities to be a blessing to our city, to serve our communities. So this holiday, I've been praying and trusting God to give me an opportunity to serve my community. And you know how it happens. We got to the last week of the holidays. This last week, it was my last week of leave. And I'm like, God, nothing has happened yet. Give me something, Lord, to serve my community. And I'd been praying, and I felt the Lord impress on me uh, one of the police stations. And uh, it was between um, Linden Police Station or Parkview Police Station. And I discussed with my wife, and I asked her, Babes, what do you think? Do you think Parkview or Linden? And in the midst of the conversation, I felt, together with my wife, we felt like Parkview Police Station. So on Friday, last day of my holiday now, I pick up the phone. I just had a hunch to phone the day. I pick up the phone, and I phone the police station, and I asked to speak to the station commander. Miracle number one, the station commander was there. <laughs> right, that's a miracle. Miracle number two, he took my phone. He, he answered my phone, and uh, uh, they transferred me to his office, and he answered my phone, and I explained who I am. I'm a pastor. You, could change, you can tell his voice tone changed as soon as I said, I'm a pastor. You know, respect for men of God, you know. <laughs> I throw it there for a reason. And, and, and I explained to him why I want to come and see him because, you, you know, people come for different reasons. And he said, yes, pastor, you can come and see me. We set up the time, one o'clock on Friday. I get there. Miracle number three, we start the meeting on time. And I thought, there's hope for our nation. There's hope for our nation. And we have a good conversation. And he tells me he's actually been promoted from the free state to come and serve here in Johannesburg. He did well with where he was serving. So he was studying here in November last year, and he was saying, you know, what you are talking to me about is something that I've already been working on. We're looking for partnerships with the community. So thank you for coming to see me. And he agreed for us to do devotions with his team on a weekly basis. Miracle number four. You think God is done yet? And then God is done yet. He asks me, so pastor, where is your church? Can I please come? I'm expecting him to come in the next coming weeks. So friends, this is to say that God is always speaking. The question is, are we obedient? Are we responding to what he's saying? So even today's message, I share the story with you, is are we obedient to what he's saying to us? Are we, are we responding to what he's saying to us? So when we read this, I am going to be blowing the trumpet. And I'm starting here from... Uh, Ezekiel, before we go to Joel, Ezekiel 33, verse 6, it says, But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. That's a strong word right there. So Ezekiel is simply saying, the word of the Lord is saying to us that we need to warn the people. When there's sin crouching in their lives and about to take them out, we need to warn them. A sense of agency must rise in us to share the gospel with those who do not know the Lord. 
A sense of urgency should rise in us to, 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 to pray for those who do not know the Lord and share the good news with them. I remember the same words were used by uh, Wom Angus Bucken. Some of you would know him. He, when we were in Parliament last year and praying at Parliament, at the end, he called an altar call in Parliament. I mean, I was blown away by that. You've had me share the story. But I, I was convicted and challenged by his boldness because this is what he said. This were his exact words. He said, I'm giving you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord so that your blood will not be requested from my hands. I, I was so challenged that the last wedding I was doing, I called an altar call at the wedding. You remember you were there? You know, I was just blown away by the fact that this man is using every opportunity to give everyone an opportunity to give their lives to the Lord. We cannot continue to play church when there's a dying world out there. We cannot just come to church and be happy we came to church when there's a dying world out there. You know that the church is healthy if that church preaches plans, outreach in community, country, and the world. And are definitely part of a healthy church when that happens. Real church takes place by rendering services usually outside the four walls of the church building. We know that we are making an impact. We know we are a healthy church when we are doing something out there, when we share the good news with those who don't know the Lord. So as we look at the book of Joel, the relationship between Israel and God is a relationship that God wants to have with us. It is a picture of the way God wants to relate with us. Even when we sin, God is constantly speaking to us, sending His prophets, speaking through His prophets. So this is the relationship, as it is explained in Genesis 3.29, everyone who belongs to Christ is an heir to Abraham. So that is how we are connected to Israel. We are all heirs to Abraham. Whether we like it or not, it is because the blessings of Abraham are our blessings. So I encourage you as you read this, don't say this was just a word for the Israelites. This was a word for us too. So we're reading the warning of the prophet from chapter 1 of Joel. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. The heading in that portion of scripture says, an invasion of locusts. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. So it must not just end with that generation. It must go from generation to generation. Verse 4, what the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have eaten, what the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have, uh, have left, other locusts have eaten. Wake up, you drunkard. Weep, wail, all you drinkers of wine. Wail because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. New wine speaks of the truth of God. The truth of God has been snatched from the lips. Wake up and wail. Get back the truth of God. We continue to read. I'm jumping to verse 13. Put on sackcloth, you priest, and mourn. Wail, you who minister before the Lord. Come, spend the night. If you ever wondered when all night prayer came from, right there. Come, spend the night. Amen. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God. For the grain offerings, the drink offerings are withheld from the house of God. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God. And cry out to the Lord. Alas, for the day of the Lord. Alas, 
for that day of the Lord. For the day of the Lord is near. It will come like distraction from the Almighty. As we pause here for a bit, I want to bring your attention to the warning that comes from the men of God. The warning says, Alas, for the day of the Lord is near. Alas, for the day of destruction is near. You better repent. You better change because the day of the Lord is near. We continue to read now in chapter 2 of Joel. Blow the trumpet. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and blackness. Like dawn spreading across the mountains. A large and mighty army comes. Such as never was in ancient times. Nor will ever be in ages to come. Before them fire devours. Behind them flames ablaze. Before them the land is like garden of Eden. Behind them a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. Two very critical things here. Every time you read about fire in scripture, it speaks of revival. So God is saying, my revival will come, but it will only come when you align yourself with my will and my way. When you repent, revival will come. Blow the trumpet. It is repeated from chapter 1. We finish off with two, a few more verses. Verse 11. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond, the number, are beyond number, and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind the blessing, grain offering, drinks offering for the Lord your God. Finally, we read this. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children. Those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let me just bring it to today's terms. It simply says, let those who are celebrating honeymoon stop their honeymoon right now and fast from tomorrow. We're declaring a fast. And the word of the Lord says, let the bride and the bridegroom leave their chambers and come and bow down before the Lord. The elders and the children. It just speaks of the seriousness of the moment. The seriousness of the moment. And I'm hoping that you get that from the scripture that we're reading. Let the priests, those who minister before the Lord, weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance, your inheritance, Lord, an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the, the peoples, where is their God? Let us pray. Father, I pray that you will bless the teaching of your word. I pray, Father, that you will reveal your heart to us this morning. I pray, Lord, that you will use me to speak your oracles. I pray, Lord, that as uh, Prophet Joel gave a warning, that we will take heed of the warning you're giving us, Father. Not to be afraid, not to be scared, but to take you at your word and to be serious about our relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So friends, this word that we've read, I believe there's uh, a couple of themes as I mentioned that God is speaking to us. I believe God is saying to us, I'm calling you to a place of repentance. I'm calling you by declaring a holy fast, a sacred assembly. I'm calling you to come on your knees, lest destruction will come. You notice that chapter 1, actually, if you go and study it, it's, a meto- it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's just a, a metaphor of how the locusts came showing the, the past of Israel, how different nations came and attacked them and stole and take away from them. It's a metaphor that says to us that if you look at the past of Israel, there was a time when things didn't go the way they expected to be. It is a metaphor to speak and say, if you repent, if you turn away from your wicked ways, I will turn things around and your future will be different. It is a metaphor for us to learn that the locust swarm and the great locusts and the small locusts, when they come to steal and kill and destroy, it is a warning to us that God can bring a day of destruction. But if we choose to repent, if we choose to go on our knees, life will be different. If we choose to, to, to seek the face of the Lord, if we choose to say, God, things can change, God can change the situation. So this is not just a word for us as a church. It is not just a word for us as a nation. It is a word also for us individually. You know, some of us, we have uh, excuses when we have to repent. The first excuse is it's too late. I have done so much and I've gone so far. Can I really repent? Can things really change? I want to remind you from the scripture we read, the Bible says God is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and he relents in sending calamity. Some people have this excuse, I have done all that before. I have tried to change. I've tried to repent, but nothing has changed. I'm here to say to you, the scripture that we've read, it says, rend your hearts, not your outer garment. There are times when we actually repent, but it's just external sorrow, not internal sorrow of the heart. There are times we say, God, we repent for what we have done, but change doesn't happen because it is just that we put the sorrow outside, we we had remorse outside, but the heart didn't change. So I'm calling you to this time of fasting and prayer this week to say, God, show me what is inside here that is not aligned to your will and to your way. Lord, I repent. Because I want to change. I want to rent my heart and not just my outer garment. I don't just want to look good outside, but inside I'm dying. That is why scripture says, rent your hearts and not your garments. Pour out your hearts and say, God, I want a different life. The third excuse people give from repenting is, God is through me. He has written me off. Let me remind you, scripture says, God is slow to anger and he's abounding in love. In fact, this scripture is repeated nine times in the Bible. Our God is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. So this is the word of the Lord for you. You can still change. You can still repent. All you have to do is render your heart. Rend your heart from the inside. Remember this. God's promises follow a pure and a repentant heart. You cannot expect God's promises when your life is not aligned with His will and His way. You cannot expect God's promises when your life is not aligned with His will and His way. So we're going to look at some promises that come through repentance. But we cannot have those promises if our lives are not aligned. If there's one word I would like you to remember from this morning is, Lord, 
this coming week, how can I align myself to your will and your way? How can I align myself to the things that you have in store for me so I don't live my life just for the sake of living, but I want to know that I'm in God's will for my life? Can you make this year, 2018, that year when you say, it is the year that I aligned my life to the will and the way of God? And that can only happen when we repent, when we turn away from our wicked ways, when we consecrate ourselves. Like in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says, consecrate yourself because tomorrow God is going to do great things. Now you ask yourself, why is fasting so important? I also believe that fasting aligns us to the will and the way of God. Fasting helps us to to look back, to reflect and say, but things did not work as I thought they should work. And why didn't they work the way they should work? It is because maybe I am not aligned to the will and the way of God. You know, whenever we make goals uh, from one year to another, I don't know how many of you actually, you stop and you reflect on last year's goals. I think most of the times we don't reflect on them is because we wrote them and we never looked at them throughout the year, right? And at the end of the year, we're like, okay, let's start again. You write the same goals again, nothing happens. So me and my family, we like to do this. Uh, this last week, we were reviewing our goals. Some of the goals were like, ping! Some of the goals were like, ah! We didn't get to any of them. But that's the time to actually look back and say, what can I do differently? Why didn't I make it last year? What stopped me from making this goal, from achieving this goal, so I can do better in the new year? So I'm saying this to you, to say, use this time of fasting and prayer this week to reflect and say, what can I do better in this coming year? Amen. What can I do better to consecrate myself? Esther fasted before he went to the king. Nehemiah fasted before he restored Jerusalem. David, all these great men and women of God, they went on their knees and they fasted before they saw the promises of God. So there are certain breakthroughs we will not experience except we fast and pray. Remember, Scripture says this kind only comes out through fasting and prayer. There are certain things that will not go away if we do not fast and pray. So let's talk about revival that we see in Joel from where we read. Maybe your life has been barren in 2017. There was no fruit or there was little fruit. Maybe 2017 did not go as you expected it to go. Maybe you had written goals, as I said, and you did not achieve them. Maybe you felt like 2017 was a year of affliction for you. You felt affliction. You felt afflicted. You felt like things were just terrible for you. You felt that the economy of the country affected you, your business, your job, in a way that you didn't expect things would go. But this is what I want to say to you. We know affliction has done its work when it brings us to our knees. We know affliction has done its work when it brings us to our knees. I want to talk a little bit about affliction. Affliction is when you know that God is actually trying to draw your attention. God is actually allowing something to happen so that he can draw your attention. He can bring you to your knees. So when affliction happens, don't run away from God. You know, this last week was also sad for us because we got news that one of the guys who used to be a leader in his house, he left the church a couple of years ago. He took his life on the 31st. His parents found him. He had hung himself at their house. Andrew Fox and some of you will remember him. And it was quite sad and devastating for a number of us. But it was during that time that a lot of people started asking questions. 
God, where are you? God, why did this happen? If you follow on social media, there was a lot of people who asked a number of questions and saying, what is happening here? Why did this happen? Affliction will bring us to our knees. Affliction will bring us closer to God. I was also thinking, it was on Friday, we got a call that one of my sisters had an emergency season. She had to go and have a baby. We were expecting the baby only in March. In fact, I'm so blessed my mom is here today. She's having, she had the 10th grandchild on Friday. Thank you, mom, for being here. So me and my sisters, we all have combined 10 grandchildren for my mom. We say, no more children anymore. Enough, enough, enough. We must close the doors now. Okay. We're discussing it with my mom. I share this to say on the family WhatsApp group, I saw how the family rallied together to pray. Something drew our attention. Even those who may not go to church, they rallied together to pray. They sent the, you know the emoji, the praying hands? I want to challenge you, don't send the praying hands when you're not praying. Can I hear amen to that? We are so good at saying, we are praying three emojis, praying hands, but you're not praying. Can we just change that? Let's correct that in this year. In fact, whenever I get a message to pray for something, whenever I can, I will stop right there and pray, or I will pray in my heart. So when we got that message, we, my wife and I and the kids, we stopped everything that we're doing. We started praying. So don't send the praying hands. I, I'm sure you hear me. Don't send them if you're not going to pray. So God may be using affliction to get our attention. I was studying again the story of a Pharaoh in Egypt and how the Israelites had to go out. And God drew my attention to this. You'll see how it relates to this. That what if God hardened Pharaoh's heart to get to the hearts of the Israelites and the Egyptians? So God hardened the leader's heart to get to the hearts of the people. It wasn't so much about Pharaoh, but it was the hearts of the people. So certain things, God allows them to happen to get to our hearts. And I was thinking, what if God allows the, 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 the hardening of our leaders' hearts so we can go on our knees? Think about it. I know some of you are saying, Eish, ne? This was God's response. Before I speak the promises of God that I see in this portion of Scripture, Joel chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord responded, Then the Lord was jealous for his hand. The Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. Because they fasted and prayed, because they went on their knees, the Lord was jealous for his land, something important about the land, and took pity on his people. Now, I want us to just look briefly on the promises that came when God heard their prayers, when they took heed. I need to go back to this. Please, people, please. This week we are fasting and praying. I know that some of you, it may be the first time you fast. Let me give you some guidelines. We did say that uh, this will be, um, this booklet will be on our Facebook page and also on our website. You can go to everynation.org. That's very simple. It's on the landing page, everynation.org. It's our global website. In this prayer guide, we have a page here where you can do your fasting plan. Day one, what am I fasting? Water only, liquid, one meal. Or you can fast the screen, you can fast the TV, gadgets. Especially, I, I put that just for my children. We can fast gadgets. Stay away from the gadgets. Stay away from the iPad. 
day two, you can fast a meal or you can fast the whole day. But if you can, I encourage you to fast the whole week and see what the Lord will do. I like what we read. It says, who knows? Who knows what the Lord will do when we go on our knees and pray? If it's your first time fasting, I encourage you, you can do a Daniel fast. A Daniel fast is when you're only having vegetables and fruit. That also works. All I'm asking you, people, is let's go on our knees and pray and fast and see what the Lord will do this year. Amen. amen. Your amen means you're going to fast. The promises of God, promises of prosperity. You see what happens. There was calamity in chapter 1. Chapter 2, we see them fasting and praying, and now the promises of God are coming. I'm going to go through them very quickly, but there's one that I want to focus on towards the end. Promises of prosperity. Prosperity is in the Word. The Lord replied to them, I'm sending you grain, new wine, olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. The threshing floor will be filled with grain and the beds will overflow with new wine. New wine is the truth that God wants to bring. God is saying, I want to bring overflow. Promises of protection. I will drive the northern horde. That's an army. I'll drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a patched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown into the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea, and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid. Especially living in Joburg, the stereotypes of we, we, we live lives where we are afraid all the time. God says, surely I'll protect you. Do not be afraid. Let us not live in fear. That's the promise of the Lord. Promises of fruitfulness. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing fruit again. The fig tree, the vine, yields its riches. That is to say to us, God wants us to be fruitful. If 2017 you are not fruitful, trust God that 2018 will be a year of fruitfulness. Trust God that 2018 will be a year where you see God come through on your affairs. I like this one, promise of rain, because we need rain. And Cape Town needs rain more than we do. Can I just do one thing that we don't do always? Let's just pause right now and pray for Cape Town and pray for rain. Because the Bible says, he who promised is faithful. I'm going to read this and we're going to pray for Cape Town. Can we have a microphone, Jess? And I'm going to ask uh, Tony if you can please pray for Cape Town. I think the Lord has your hand on you, brother, to pray for Cape Town. Let me read this. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he's faithful. He sends you abundant showers, abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. So based on this promise, we're going to pray the promise of God and we're going to see the promise of God come to be. Amen. Let's just all intercede as Tony leads us in prayer. Promises. Your promises that are true today as they were a thousand years ago, Lord Jesus. We stand together as your people today and we say, Lord, let it rain on Cape Town, Lord. Yes, Lord. Send rain yes, to Lord. Cape Town. Your people in Cape Town, Lord, as they humble themselves, as they pray, as they repent, Lord, and look to you. Lord, even those who do not know you, 
would see you through you sending rain, would come to know you because of your rain that you will have sent, yes, Lord. Lord. Spiritual and physical rain yes, upon Cape Town, we pray, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord. Your word says yes and amen to the prayers of your people. Amen. 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 Thank you. I'm trusting that it's going to rain in Cape Town. Can you believe with me? Amen. And we're going to tell them we prayed for you. Next time we come to Cape Town, we want a discount on our holiday. Just throwing that in. I was blown away as I was preparing this sermon. One of my cousins sent us this message. It was in Sesotho. It was so amazing. Ya tepisiteng wa tepahala. Ya tepisiteng wa tepahala. He who promised is faithful. There is something about the promise because the Bible says not any of the promises that God gave to Israel failed. All of them, including rain, came to being. And I thought to myself, there's a song there. All the songwriters in the house. There's a song somewhere there. He who promised is faithful. Take that and remind yourself that God, he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. I know that you may be here today and you feel like, well, I'm almost giving up. I'm thinking of my friend Andrew who was struggling with depression, the one who who took away his life. He he might have come to the point where he had forgotten that he who promised is faithful. But I believe that God has redeemed his life. I believe he's in a better place right now. I believe God is faithful. Promise of restoration. I will repay to you for the years. Not one year, the years. I'll repay to you the years the locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the lo- young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I send you. Whenever there is emphasis in the Bible, there's significance. There is a significance to this repetition. Many years that the enemy has stolen from you, God says, I will restore. So maybe it is the great loan shark or the small loan shark, God will restore. But don't go back there. Amen. It's January, people. Let's be real. Don't go back there, right? God says, I'll restore whatever the enemy has stolen. Whether it's in your marriage, whatever the enemy has stolen, God can restore. Whether it's in your finances, God can restore. Whether it is in uh, your education, it is in your business, in your job, whatever the enemy has stolen, God says, I will repay. All you have to do is to align yourself to his will and his way. He will restore. This is the one I want to focus on in closing, promises of abundance. You will have plenty to eat until you're full. When God begins to bless you, you will not need to go on a diet. Until you're full, you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Plenty, full, overflow, abundance. The Bible says God is giving us promise of abundance this year. He wants us to prosper. It is says in Psalm 65 verse 11, you crown the year with bounty and your cards overflow with abundance. God crowns the year with bounty and his cards overflow with abundance. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, and the God is able to do and bless you abundantly so that in all things, having all you need so that you may abound in every good work. Ephesians 3 verse 20, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can think or ask. I've seen him do it before and I know he can do it again. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all 
we ask. Above all, we think or ask. I was really challenged by what uh, Pastor Jonathan shared with us at, on the 31st, at the service on the 31st, midnight. He said that poverty does not glorify God. Poverty does not glorify God. This whole week, I've been pondering and thinking about it, and I realized it's true that God doesn't want us to be in poverty. Why did He give all these promises? And by the way, you will not know and experience these promises if you're not in the Word. Better be in the Word on a daily basis and speak this promise over yourself and your family. So when Jonathan said that, that poverty does not glorify God, I started really pondering about that, and I realized that it is because of circumstances, whether external or internal, that we are poor. It is because of the bad decisions that we have made that we are poor. It is not because of God. God doesn't want us to be poor. Get that revelation today. God wants us to live in abundance and to prosper. You know, I always expect this. Whenever we go and visit my mom on Christmas, we're with my mom in Porch, and we spend time in Porch, to be specific, Ikacheng. That's the township of Porch's room. Yeah, someone is from Porch. Hallelujah. I, I, I actually have to prepare myself for the questions from my kids whenever we come back from porch. They ask questions like this. My one daughter asks me, Dad, are we rich or poor? At that point, I thought to myself, man, do I answer this with a spiritual answer? Like, you know, we are all rich in Christ. You get me, right? We are all blessed, abundant, everything. But then I thought, let me turn the question back to her. What do you think? Profound answer. See, she said, I think we are in the middle. And the more I unpack this is because she's grappling with whenever we visit home and we come back in the suburbs, things are a little bit different. And she's grappling with this reality. Are we rich or poor? And I thought, how would it be if I said to my daughter, we are poor? How would it be? When I say we serve a God of abundance. How can I stand in front of her and say we serve a God of abundance and say to her, yet we are poor. So get that revelation. Revelation is for insight and foresight. God has confirmed his word to us. He wants us to glorify him with all that he blessed us with. So when revival hits the place, there is economic stability and political stability. That's why we are fasting and praying. We want to see economic and political stability in our nation. Finally, the promise of revival. Verse 28 says, And afterward I will part my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. We've spoken about seeing dreams and visions, and God is doing that, and we see dreams and visions and more. But as I was preparing, I felt the Lord say, can you see the emphasis on sons and daughters? Can you see the emphasis on both men and women? It means God is saying, when my spirit comes, if you want to see revival, it's not going to just happen because of the men of God. We need to see the men and women of God rise up. It is when women are restored to their place in ministry, also in business, when women play the role that God has placed them to play in business, in ministry, that we will see the revival that we've been looking for, that we've been longing for. It means God is saying, guys, I don't want you to just focus on the man. I want both men and women to work together to see the revival. That's the restoration I'm talking about.
That's the restoration that God wants to bring. So if you're a woman here today, I pray that you will see the call of God on your life. I pray that your call of God on your life will not be defined by the men that you marry, but know that God has called you even before that man shows up. God has called you. God has called you. God has a plan for your life. You don't need to wait for some dude. Let me stop there. God has a plan for your life. Maybe in 2018 you, you meet that dude, but the Lord wanted you to get a revelation first that he has called you. He's got a plan for your life. He wants to restore us, but he wants the woman to rise. There's such a conviction in our spirit about that. The restoration is coming in those days, in those days. And at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I'll gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means the Lord judges. So all the nations that attack and speak evil of Israel and the people of Israel, God says, I'll bring judgment upon them. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord, but he will restore. So this is the word of the Lord for us this year. God is calling us to rest in him. Rest in him. Be rest assured. Trust in him that he is a God of abundance. He's calling us to rise up to the occasion. And he's calling us to receive our inheritance. All you have to do is align your life to his will and his way. Align, align, align. Let us stand to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to speak to us this morning. Lord, you are here blowing and sounding the trumpet, Father. Sounding the trumpet for change, Lord God. Sounding the trumpet and calling and declaring a holy assembly, a sacred assembly, where we can go on our knees. And fast and pray and trust that we will see change in our lives individually, in our lives together corporately, in our lives together as a nation. Father, I pray that we will not just fast for the sake of fasting and praying, but may we fast and pray with a great expectation that, God, you're going to do great things this year, Father. God, we rise up with faith and we say, let faith arise. We rise up with faith and believe and trust that you can do it again, Father. We've seen you move mountains before. We know you can move them again, Lord. 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 We trust for a revival, God. We believe for a revival in the name of Jesus, God. Father, I pray that we'll not settle for less. You have not called us to poverty. You have called us to abundance. I speak it. I prophesy it. I declare it in the name of Jesus. We say, he who promised is faithful. God, I pray that we will not settle for less in this year. I pray it's, this is the first Sunday of the year. May we make those critical decisions we have to make that we cannot live the way we've lived before. We are either fully in or fully out. There's no middle ground. In the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for this time.